Hey, I'm Kevin Burke, 93 Dizzy Dean World Series champion. My eight-year-old team won 50 games last year, and I have so many rings and trophies, I can't even keep up with them all. Wait, you're saying nobody cares? That, that, that's not going to get my kid to the big leagues? All right, all right. Let's talk about what really matters. Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience, stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. Wow, that's all I can say. I am totally blown away at the response to last week's episode where I talked about why weekend tournaments were ruining youth baseball player development. At the time of this recording, which is about 55 hours later, there have been more than 24,000 views and more than 21,000 podcast downloads. And to put that in perspective, well, I won't bore you with the statistics, but that's a lot for me. Before I go any further, I just wanted to say thank you for those of you that have read, listened, and even subscribed so that you don't miss the next one. If you haven't subscribed, head over to getelbowup.com, type in your email address, it's free, and I will send you an email every time I post a new article or episode. So the purpose of Elbow Up was to share my experience over the last 20 or so years as a player, as a coach, as a brother, um, to a professional ball player. Um, and now I coach a second time through with my, with my second son in hopes that I can help a few parents or coaches get the most out of their youth baseball experience. What's great about the response to this topic is not just the views and the downloads, but the fact that so many people are passionate about it. I even appreciate those that disagree with me, and there were plenty, the conversation is what's important, and that's the first step. Now, I was really planning to publish a two-part series, this being the second part, where I outline some of the ideas that I have for fixing this, what I call a systemic issue with youth baseball. However, after reading literally more than 1,500 comments in various Facebook groups and threads, I decided I needed to go a little deeper into the issue and clarify a few things. There always will be exceptions. I got a lot of, maybe not a lot, but I did get the feedback of, well, I, I didn't experience that. And I think t travel ball is the best and, and playing in tournaments was great. And we were still able to develop during the week. Look, <clears throat> it's important to note that teams who I believe do it the right way really do exist. They're just few and far between. There are some coaches who focus on development first. Or maybe they only play in a tournament every other weekend. And, and that's wonderful. Unfortunately, though, that's the exception and not the rule. Now, secondly, I'm not hating on tournament directors. I think a lot of the feedback that came from, from this was people who just read the headline. And so they assumed I meant, well, tournament directors who are hosting weekend tournaments are ruining youth player development. No, it's not tournaments 
uh, it's not the tournament director's job to develop our kids. And I never said it was. In fact, most of the tournament directors that I know or that I've dealt with do a fine job. There's nothing wrong with hosting a tournament every single weekend throughout the summer. But that doesn't mean as a coach that my team has to play in it. In fact, I like more tournaments. More tournaments mean we can be more flexible with our schedule. Oh, you know what? We have three people out this week. Let's play in a tournament next week. Oh, you know what? We just need to practice this week or we need to do a scrimmage this week. We'll play next week. There'll be another tournament. I'm not blaming tournament directors. And I certainly didn't mean for it to come across that way. One of the most, if I think about the feedback, one of the most common things I heard that, that I maybe disagreed or, or rebutted some of the things I said. They told me how much they enjoyed travel ball. That travel ball was more competitive. It was great for their kid. It allowed their kids to learn even more. And here's the thing. I agree with that. I'm not anti-travel ball. For purposes of this podcast, I use travel ball and select ball interchangeably. At least for the ages of 7U through 12U. There are a small number of teams at those ages that may travel. But I'm really referring to all the teams who no longer play rec and play in the various weekend tournaments within their local area or within their geographical region. As kids get older, the more competitive teams will travel more. And it's not uncommon for the better teams at ages, you know, 14 up, 14, 15, 16, 17 to travel hundreds and thousands of miles to play. I'm not talking about those teams. That's not what this is about. This is about the 7U, 8U, 9U, 10U, where the majority of the teams play on the weekends within a 50-mile radius. Those are select teams, travel teams, whatever you want to call it. I use those interchangeably here. Now, due to many of the reasons that I outlined in one of my very first articles, there has been a mass exodus from local little leagues into travel ball over the years. I encourage you to read it, but... I'll sum it up just in one sentence. Most of those leagues were too restrictive and lacked competition. So being able to play when you want, against who you want, and with whom you want was attractive. I'm not arguing that. I like it. I like being able to pick to, to schedule my season how I want. I want to be able to pick up a player. I don't want to have to wear the same stupid uniform uh, as a, you know the other three coaches. And if I, if I wear the wrong shade of khakis, I have to forfeit. Give me a – like that's, that's an example of those leagues not evolving. And so, so many people left and went to travel ball or select ball. And, I, and I'm good with it. So, it's not the tournament director's fault. And there's nothing wrong with travel ball. I'm also not against winning. I want to be competitive. I had some moms. It's funny. I had moms say, I want my kid to be competitive and learn how to win. Well, I do too. But that doesn't mean I have to play every single weekend, six games a weekend, with few practices in between. Last thing on clarifying from the previous episode, most parents and coaches just don't know any better. I'm not sitting here saying that parents and coaches are trying to do the wrong thing or trying to do what's best, not best for their kids or trying to 
win some rat race because that's their priority. I'm certainly not here to condemn anyone for doing something differently than what I think is right. I just want to shed some light on what it's actually doing so that we can help make it better. While it is true, a few coaches and parents know exactly what they're doing. Many, if not most, parents and coaches just don't know any better. They do what they think is best because everyone else is doing it. As I mentioned previously, there is a real fear of missing out. Everyone else is leaving the local rec league, so I better take my son out too. These other five teams are playing in a tournament in the second week of February. I better get my team entered as well. I don't want to get behind. We're, going to be, we're not going to be ready. Our rival is playing six weekends in a row in all these tournaments. I better get my team in those two so that we don't get left behind. First, we have to change that mentality. And secondly, we need to educate. Or maybe we have to do those together. I don't know what order, but that's what I'm here trying to do. Now, let's jump into a couple of different reasons why I think weekend tournaments are not good for long-term player development. First, being good doesn't equal development. A common misconception is that teams who win a lot or are the best in their area or against the teams they play often are doing it the right way. And that's not always true. In fact, it's rarely true at the younger ages. As I've said before, in the younger age groups, the better teams are often the ones with the better athletes who are just more physically advanced for their age. In a lot of areas, look for those teams that are just at 500 or just above. So they win a little bit more than they lose. But, they can, but the ones that can sneak up and hang with the, quote, better teams every now and then. Like here in our area, there's a couple teams that tend to be, you know, if you're ranking in terms of, quote, better or worse, there's a couple teams that, towards the top, and then there's several at the very bottom, and then there's some in the middle. But the ones that are kind of in that top middle bracket, they do things the right way. No, they don't win every game. No, they can't beat us all the time. But they can play with us. They sneak up on us. And it's because they're doing it the right way. Often it's because they're forced to. They don't have the same gifted athletes. And they can't rely on bad habits. It forces them to teach things the right way. And focus first on development. This doesn't mean all good teams are not focusing on development either. So be, be clear there. I mean, that's, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. There are exceptions. But look deeper than wins and losses. I think this goes into the solutioning that I have on the next episode. But when you're, especially when you're choosing a team, don't just look for wins. Everybody wants to win and everybody wants to play on the team that wins the most. But that may not be the best thing long term. Playing in the weekend tournaments, week in and week out, it breeds this type of mentality. I want to be on the winning team. I want to be on the winning team. I want to be taking the, the, the ring home and getting a group picture to put it on social media. I'm tired of the same teams winning. That breeds that mentality. Instead, you need to be looking for the team that has a development-first mentality balanced with good athletes. They'll win their share of games and rings but the individual players and the team will be better in the long run. The next thing is the system we have, it's not like any other level of baseball ever at any level. No other level of baseball plays six games in two days, week after week after week, and then sprinkles in a few practices in between. 
Middle school, high school, college, and professional baseball don't do it this way. In all these levels, you play a game or two and then you go practice. And think about that. Naturally, in that case, there's time between games to work on things that might have been or that were identified during the game. It's somewhat of a continuous improvement cycle that allows for discovery and then instruction and practice, and then you do it all over again. This type of baseball would be perfect for the younger ages. We are introducing so many new things. They go from kid pitch, or excuse me, coach pitch, where they just need to hit it hard and run fast. And typically the teams that can do that okay and then play good defense on the, on the routine plays are the ones that win. But then when they get into player pitch, we introduce so many things. It's like an exponential learning curve. And we're introducing all these things, and then in a weekend over the you know four to six games, they get all these other things thrown at them. And often, it, especially early, it's things they've never seen before. They don't know how to react, which is normal. How are they supposed to remember it all? It's impossible. And even if we as coaches, which I do and, and, and others I know do, write it down as it happens so we don't forget There's nowhere near enough time during the two practices that we have during the week to cover it all. So it's like we get all these things that come at us. And so we try to pick maybe the top two during the and and guess which two we pick. It's not the two necessarily that's going. And I'm telling on myself, this is us, guys. You know, this isn't I'm I'm not holier than thou here. When we have a list of 10 things and we have two practices, do you know what we work on? We work on what's going to give us the most bang for our buck short term. We work on what's going to, what would have maybe helped us win that game last weekend. Maybe not what's going to help the most of our kids long term, but what is going to help us in the short term this weekend? That's not the way to do it. We do it too, but we've got to flip that around. So one... How are we going to really teach these things that we're experiencing during the weekend tournaments? And two, why would we spend years doing it this way, which is different than every other level of baseball thereafter? It doesn't make any sense. Now, quick note, because I did get this comment, game reps are important. I'm not anti-tournament, as I said before, and I'm certainly not anti-game. Sometimes at the younger age, actually a lot of the times at the younger ages, experiencing game-like situations are the only way to really learn. But you still have to be able to break it down. You still have to be able to revisit it. You have to be able to simulate some of that in practice. We got to be able to take those reps away, look at how we did, improve on it, and then go back and do it again. Now, lastly, for, for this episode... While similar to several of the other issues that I've talked about, this one is specific to how we as coaches coach during the games and tournaments and how it impacts players directly. So much of development is learning how to react in and to certain situations. But because we're worried about giving up that one run to make it to the goal bracket, we don't allow our players to learn on the job. They need experience in certain situations and be able to figure things out for themselves, like a self-discovery type thing. 
Of course we coach them afterwards. But allowing them to try it and even at times fail is good for their development. One comment I got from the last piece, um, the last episode from a Christopher. Um, this was on uh, Facebook. Somebody had shared the article in the podcast and Christopher had responded. I'm not sure where he's from, but I'm going to read it really quickly. It says, quote, it absolutely stunts the growth of the player and his ability to play ball on his own without being told what to do every single pitch. We're creating robots, not baseball players. Today's tournament ball creates an environment where players don't learn how to play the game and think for themselves. They must be told everything to do. Move over a step. Do this on the next swing. Look for this pitch. Get another step on your lead. It breeds robots instead of capable, independent ball players learning about themselves and how they can contribute and do their job in a specific role on their team. Now, wow. He's right. We're playing in an environment that doesn't allow for error. It doesn't allow for a little on-the-job training like our kids need. I'm not necessarily a proponent of equal playing time at every position. But at the early ages, we need to allow enough versatility to happen naturally to see who can actually do what and then see how they respond. Of course we can't move little Johnny from right field to second base even though we're up by 10 runs because he might not know what to do or how to react in a certain situation. And instead of giving him that chance to learn it and then coach afterwards, we're too worried about giving up two of those runs. Granted, we'd still win by eight, but we're not going to make it to the gold bracket for Sunday. That's not developing baseball players. And I must say, this isn't 15, you guys. This isn't the elite 12U team. I'm talking about eights, nines, tens. Doing that is coaching for the short-term gratification of playing in the gold bracket in a small regional tournament that doesn't even matter. I mean, heck, the chances are you're going to miss the gold bracket, but you're still going to get a shot at winning the silver bracket. And, of course, by Monday, your kids are going to lose their rings and forgot they even won it. Think about that. Now, This is not going to get fixed overnight, but we've got to get moving in the right direction. There's so many kids that are either getting left out at a young age or they're just losing interest too early and never recognizing their full potential because they're never given a chance. There literally are millions of kids that get to middle school and high school baseball unprepared because we as coaches were too worried about winning that ring in the gold bracket instead of being able to play for the silver. It's taken almost two decades to get here. So it's going to take a little bit of time to get out, but that's why we're here. And that's the whole reason behind what I do here at elbow up. And I believe while sometimes I may come across harsh, most of you, if you're listening to this, you have those same intentions. So I've got some ideas. As I said previously, uh, I've got some ideas. It's, It's great to know the theory, but what can you do? What can I do? How can we start to make an impact on our own teams Uh, and with our own kids, right? So first off, make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. GetElbowUp.com. Type in your email address. It's free. I'll send you an email as soon as it comes out. You can also subscribe to the podcast. um, If you've got an an iPhone, um, iTunes podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, if you've got Android, um, and and you'll be notified uh, when future episodes are available. So again, Thanks for listening. Thanks for continuing to support the work that we're doing. Um, got some steam behind us here. I'm extremely, 
you know, grateful for the for the support. Um, all the shares. I think at last check there was almost 500 shares of the article and the podcast on Facebook alone. So I appreciate that. If you like this, um, share it with somebody. Leave me a comment. Shoot me an email back, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. Thank <laughs> you.